Hello and welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet. And how are you? How are you doing out there? Or up there, or sideways, wherever you are? So lately when I'm thinking about, lately meaning the last few days, first of all, do you hear the ocean crashing in the background? I arranged that just for you. That's right. I called upstairs and I said, dear God, please do me a favor and, you know, give me some crashing ocean background noise so that everyone can hear it and feel awesome and fabulous if they're not by the water when they're listening to it. And so God said, all right, you know what? You don't ask me for too many favors, so I'm going to give you the crashing ocean situation. But... You've got to do me a few favors, too, which is that I know that you cleaned up your, you know, potty mouth for doing public radio broadcasting, and I appreciate it, but maybe you could try and clean up your potty mouth, you know, in your private life, because I personally witnessed you dropping the F-bomb three times yesterday, and it's not very ladylike or gentlemanlike. So, all right, so anyway, we made a deal. And you get the crashing ocean. And I won't drop the F-bomb very much today. Well, this afternoon. Anyway, what the F? You know what I mean? Anyway, so lately I've been thinking a lot about animals. You know, not animals as in really rude people. Well, that's a different kind of animal. But animals as in like our furry friends. You know, I love furry love. We love fairy love. And I don't mean fairy love like as in you dress up like a giant rabbit and you have sex with someone else dressed up like a giant rabbit. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I mean fairy love as in, you know, your dog or your cat or whatever other kind of creature you share your home with that you love. So I shared my life with two cats for the longest time. I had JD, who was a long, black-haired Maine Coon cat. And J.D. was not the brightest bulb. He was just a little bit special. He had a little bit of a, of a deer-in-the-headlights look all the time. But he didn't know he was a cat. He thought he was a monkey. And so I could do things with him that you really could never do with a cat. I could walk around with him sitting on my shoulder, you know, kind of swing him around by a harness and walk him. You know, he just was like kind of kooky, like a spider monkey. And I got Lulu to be his friend. And she was as opposite as it could be. She was a mean Bengal kitty marking half tabby. Like she must have been half Bengal, half tabby. But, you know, if you approached her aggressively, she'd swipe at you. She had all kinds of rules. You could only pet her with the grain, never against the grain. You could only pet her head and her shoulders. You could never touch her tushy or her belly or she'll swipe at you. You know, all sorts of issues, but she loved me and I loved her. And J.D. always wanted to be her friend. And she would let him sit next to her on the couch, but if he got too close, she'd smack him right across the face. So these are the creatures I spent more than two decades with. Well, J.D. lived to be 16 and a half and Lulu lived to be 20 and a half. And I'm convinced the reason she lived longer was because she was evil and the evil acted as a preservative. Now, I had them for about eight years when I started getting really sick. 
and I went to an allergist and I said, I don't know what it is. There's a lot of mold in my apartment, I think. And the allergist said, well, yes, you're allergic to mold and pollen and a bunch of other things, but your cat allergy is through the roof. So I was like, oh my God. So she had all these ideas that I could come in and get a shot every week or there was something I could do to the cats. and You know, I could get them a better home and not be sick all the time. But I'd had them for eight years and I said, I made a pledge to these furry creatures and I'm going to stick by them. I mean, how long can they really live? And as I said, JD, my spider monkey boy, lived to be 16 and a half. And Lulu, who loved me unconditionally but never stopped being evil, lived to be 20 and a half. And I miss them both to this day, but I don't miss popping all the allergy pills. But I did notice some things after I lost my two babies. And 20 and a half years is really a lifetime. It's a long time. And that was that I used to go to sleep and sleep forever, like eight, nine hours. I mean, like the kind of sleep that you spend a lot of money on pharmaceuticals to get. And what I realized was it was Lulu shoving her big tushy in my belly, waiting to be spooned, and then she would purr like unbelievable, like a thousand vibrators. Don't go there. Don't go there, potty mouth, potty brain. Go there some other time, but not right now. Anyway. She purred like a thousand vibrators, and there I was spooning her, and I would fall into the deepest, most fabulous sleep. It was a gorgeous thing. So, now that was a long time ago that I lost my babies, and so I haven't had continuous furry love. I've had Archie, beloved Archie, Charmuffy's doggy, who we all love. Archie is a Keaton, is that the word, terrier? I always forget. Anyway, he's very cute. He's like the mayor of their neighborhood. I've had visitations with furry creatures, but not on a regular basis. But recently, my girlfriend and I wound up dog-sitting for her sister Vivi's uh, very cute doggy, Fiona. Fiona is um, a mini shepherd, mini Australian shepherd. I forget what you call it. I'm not up on all the dog names, but she's very, very cute. And my girlfriend, Lila, and I are very allergic to her. And so it's kind of like the price you pay. So you pet, we call her Fifi. I call her Fifi Le Pew, as you know. So you pet Fifi, and you give her a belly rub, and you wash your hands. And you play ball with Fifi, and you give her a belly rub, and you wash your hands. I mean, I have washed my hands more times than a surgeon in the ER unit the last few days. But that's the price you pay for loving Fifi. So if I ever do get a dog, I'll get a hypoallergenic dog. But I digress. My point is that even though I had to start popping Claritin like it was going out of style, and even though I had to wash my hands a thousand times and my face a thousand times, and there's a million other things I could complain about because I'm Jewish and I do, It was very nice to have all of that furry love. It just reminded me of a void that I have felt since I lost my two kitties. And so I have so many people in my life that were feeling lonely and were feeling sad and were feeling empty and all of these things. And then they got a dog or they got a cat or in one case, a ferret that liked to walk on a leash whatever it is that you got. I understand that Richard Gere went out and got a pet gerbil. You know, whatever it is that you got to fill the void. 
And I don't think that an animal should fill a void. I think that we should fill our void ourselves. We should fill ourselves up with satisfaction, with accomplishment, with feeling good, with living and loving and all those things so that we're not an empty shell that needs to be filled by a person or an animal. But I do think for a lot of people, it's just a great thing to add to their life. I guess it's, I feel the same way about relationships. Like I know people who were walking around like big giant bagels. You know, in that movie, Everything All at Once, what's it called? Everything, Anything All at Once, I don't know. Where you don't want to get sucked into the vortex of the bagel. Well, if you see the movie, you'll know what, what I'm talking about. And if you don't see the movie, well, you just trust me, you don't want to get sucked into the vortex of the bagel. But the bagel is a great bit of symbolism for people walking around like a hollowed shell. And then they need another person to fill that giant hole. And, you know, that's not, I don't think that's good. I don't think you want another person to fill your void. I think you want to fill it with yourself. And I don't think you want an animal to fill your void. I think you want to fill it with yourself. Because otherwise, you wind up being really codependent. You know, you remember that book, Codependent Amour, that whole era of that kind of thinking. But it's true. You want to be a tree and maybe grow alongside another really awesome tree. But you don't want to be intertwined as one tree because then you don't have your own identity and things get funky. And you want to have a fabulous animal in your life, of course, why not? Or a fish or a lizard, whatever it is, although I don't want to cuddle up to a lizard, but some people do. But you want to be okay without them. And then they're just a great addition to your life. You know, but this is not the therapy show. I don't know why I'm going there. I was in a mood, you know. I remember in the 80s, all of the lesbians that I know, I hate that word lesbian, by the way, all of the gay girls that I knew, we all read Codependent No More. We were all having drama with our ex-girlfriends. We were all like basically in high school. We were still in high school. We were in our early 20s and still in high school emotionally. And so... We all started going to Codependent No More meetings. I think it was called CODA. We all started going to Al-Anon meetings. And we started writing in our journals. I remember going on a trip with my good friend, Aunt Marie. And we went to Spring Lake to a bed and breakfast. And we wrote in our journals. And we read Codependent No More. And we said, we will fill ourselves with ourselves. And not with another person. Ra, ra, ra. Anyway. I digress, par usual. You're like, what is going on? This is a food show, not a therapy show. You're right. And anyway, all this was about talking about doggy love and cat love and not like, you know, the other kind of love. But not that there's anything wrong with that. But anyway, I spent a few days with Fifi, who we love and we lo really love her. And even though I had sinus, you know, stuff, and asthma, and, you know, the full shebang of dog allergy stuff, she was worth it. And making her happy, I could see her smiling, her little face curling up, really worth it. So I'm going to dedicate today's show to all the animal lovers out there, to the cat lovers and the dog lovers and the ferret lovers, and let's say all the furry creature lovers. I know it's a little hard to be an animal lover, and then the fact that I'm not a vegetarian. And I will say sometimes I feel really bad about that. So I try to even up the score 
You hear the ocean in the background? It's crashing. God's saying, yes, love my animals. Yes, drop, dropping the F-bomb. Yes, love my creatures. Anyway, I'm listening, God. Thank you for the, thank you for the waves. Thank you for the background. I really appreciate it. I'm not going to drop the F-bomb all day long. I love you. Anyway, I digress, per usual. So what I try to do, since I love animals so much, is I try to eat a mostly vegetarian diet. And when I do eat animals, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Just like the native Indians, the indigenous people of this country, the American Indian, they had a healthy respect. They would hunt a caribou or a buffalo or whatever it was. I said caribou, mostly buffalo, I think. But when they, when they came back with a buffalo, they would say prayers and respect. They would thank the gods and respect. They would thank the buffalo and respect. And they would make sure to use every single bit of it. Nothing was wasted. It was clothing. The fur was clothing. It was food. The hide was clothing. You know, everything, everything was used and everything was respected. So I'm not saying that I want to chew on a chicken foot, but, you know, I guess I was making some sort of a point. But I love and respect the animals. So what I choose to do as much as humanly possible is have lots of vegan and vegetarian meals, but also to get free range. Chickens that have had a happy, healthy life running around free range, eating organic food, not having ground up other chicken parts to eat, you know, happy chickens because you can taste happiness so if you have miserable chicken stew i really don't think it's going to taste as good as happy chicken stew it's just i just and if it tastes the same it's not going to feel the same feel like you can eat karma too so i'm all about happy roast chicken right let's just think about it so recently i had some happy roast chicken so we got some free range organic happy chicken. In this case, we got boneless happy chicken thighs and just did a simple marinade like I like to do. I know I've talked to you about it. Some good olive oil, not the good, good stuff. We're going to be putting that on salad, but you know, some decent olive oil. And then I gave it all my favorite spices, which are mustard powder and chili powder and a little Cajun spice and paprika and Himalayan pink salt ground. I love that. Garlic salt. I love that. Fresh ground pepper. I love that. Made a nice, nice spice rub. Mixed it in the oil. Mixed it in the happy chicken. Put it in a baking dish. And it went in the oven. There's a couple of ways you can do it. It happened because I was going to do a lot of stuff and I didn't really want to pay attention. I just wanted to shove it in the oven at 375 and pull it out in about a half hour. So that's what I did. I decided everything's going to get shoved in the oven. So I did the same thing with the vegetables. And the meal came out gorgeous. We had roast broccoli and roast yellow squash. Everything was from the oven. Roast red bell peppers. And roast happy chicken. Basted in its own juices. And it was a whole roast lovely thing. And sweet potato. And just gorgeous. But I didn't get that nice, crispy, excellent skin happy chicken skin because it was 375 whereas if i had cranked it up to 400 or 425 for like 10 minutes and then lowered it i would have had that awesome skin that we love but then i would have had to have paid attention which i didn't feel like doing and if i'd cranked it up to 4 or 425 i would have had that great roast vegetable look that i love 
but I didn't want to pay attention. I wanted to wash the dishes and do lots of things. So I just shoved everything in at 375. And the vegetables got seasoned with lots of garlic salt and the better olive oil. And it was a beautiful dinner. And what is the moral of this? If you're lazy and you don't feel like watching the oven and you want to wash the dishes and you want to check your emails, then shove everything in at 375. But if you want to pay attention, crank up the heat to 4 425 for 10 or 15 minutes and then lower it and you get much better color. So sometimes I make decisions in my life, culinary and otherwise, based on my feeling lazy and not wanting to be bothered. And that's okay. What does that have to do with furry love? Well, not a whole lot, except that we had the happy chicken. And even though they don't have furs, they have feathers, they deserve to be happy, right? So the same thing, you want happy steak, you want cows that are enjoying their life, not having a miserable life. That's why I, bought, I boycotted veal a million years ago. I just cannot eat the poor baby cows. It just bothers me. And I'm not big on lamb either. So you may be a diehard meat eater, and I'm a chef, and of course I cook lots of lamb, but I won't cook veal. I had a bride and groom ask me for a veal as an entree on their wedding. And I said, you know, weddings are pretty symbolic, and it's how you start your life. So do you really want the karma of starting your life by having tortured and imprisoned baby cows for dinner? You know, is that what you want? Well, it didn't take much to talk them out of the veal. But I'll tell you the truth. If I hadn't been able to, I simply would have refused to cater their wedding because it just bothers me. Everyone has what bothers them. My good friend Cher Muffy is bothered by having pork or lamb because she thinks she loves pigs and she loves, of course, the lambs are so cute, so she can't do that to herself. So whatever bothers you. My family likes to keep kosher. That's what bothers them. Muslim people like to keep halal. That's what bothers them. Lots of people from India won't have beef because it's the holy sacred cow. That's what bothers them. So whatever bothers you, you know? But meanwhile, if you don't have a pet and you do want some fairy love, there's lots of ways you can get that. You could volunteer at an animal shelter just to kind of pet and cuddle with creatures, small and large. You could agree to foster them. I know lots of people who will foster dogs and cats while they're on their way to their permanent home. That's another great thing. And no matter what, you could kind of think of what you eat as more than food. It's an edible thing. It's an edible bit of love. So karma is something I think you can taste. So, you know, I mean, I like my junk food too. See, there's God in the waves talking. Thank you for saving the animals. Remember what I said about the F-bomb. I will, God, I will. I'm here. Anyway, and I'm not taking his or her name in vain either. God is multisexual. It could be a boy or a girl, or it could be, you know, non-binary, right? Maybe it should be non-binary. Where was I? Oh, I was talking about God, and I was talking about furry creatures. So, this is an unusual show. We bounced all around the world in 30 seconds. We're talking about dogs and cats and we're talking about happy chickens, and we're talking about God, but it's not a religious show. And you can be an atheist if you listen to my show, and more power to you if you are. I would fight for my, fight forever for your right to be an atheist, just like I fight forever for your right to love women if you're a woman, to love men if you're a man, to, 
do whatever you want to do. And if you want to dress up in a giant rabbit outfit and have sex with someone else dressed up in a giant rabbit outfit, go on with, your, with yourself. Enjoy yourself. Because I support your right too. Consensual. It's fun for you. Enjoy yourself. There used to be this guy back in the 80s um, called Danny the Wonder Pony. And he was kind of a schlubby guy. He smelled pretty bad, and he had a hairy chest and a little bit of a belly. But evidently, his deal was that he really, really, really wanted to be a horse, which I didn't realize at the time. I thought it was a sort of a joke that he put on. And he would show up at this club we hung out. There was a great club we hung out at in the East Village called Cave Canum, which means beware the dog. And for a long time, my kitchen was there, too. Let me tell you, that was a trippy experience to have my kitchen at Cave Canem because in the morning when I would come in, there'd be people who were passed out drunk from the night before who were still there. And they'd come knocking on the door wanting to have breakfast. I'm like, who is this guy, you know? Anyway, Danny started hanging out there and he would show up. He'd wear leather pants, sometimes jeans. I think usually leather pants, like brown leather pants from what I remember. And he had a harness like you would ride a horse with kind of harness but he would have it taped around his stomach and he would crawl around and he would offer to give women rides on his back. So he would sit on the, on the harness on his back and yell giddy up and he would run around on all fours all around the nightclub. I think he had knee pads on after a while. And he loved it. He would only give rides to women, first of all, because the men were too heavy, but second of all, because he loved women and he didn't love men. And so I once had a ride around Cave Canem, sitting on Danny the Wonder Pony. And so we all thought he was a rather odd fellow. Well, we got a kick out of it. But it turned out he was a very smart fellow because after a while he started charging and he got so famous people would pay him a lot of money to show up dressed like a horse and give people rides on his back. And I think he was making thousands of dollars every time he showed up. So... Ooh, you hear that? That's an airplane. That might be that World War II fighter jet. Let me look. I think it is. It sure is. World War II fighter jet. It's funny. I never see that until I'm talking about my sister. The fighter jet always comes by. You know, like Snoopy and the Red Baron kind of plane. And only when I'm doing uh, taping a show for you does it come by. So no other time. So I don't know. Is that... Perhaps my sister sent that plane. I don't know. Perhaps it's a reward for my not dropping the F-bomb. I don't know. But it certainly is a little bit distracting. Now, I have no idea what the hell I was talking about. But I was talking about Danny the Wonder Pony. So just type it into your computer one day. Google it, Danny the Wonder Pony. He'll probably show up. But turned out he was smarter than all of us because none of us had any money. And Danny the Wonder Pony had a lot of money. I mean, we're talking about this is the 80s, you know? Later on, we started to get better jobs and make money, but I don't really know what happened to Danny. I'm assuming he went on to other things or maybe fell in love, but um, for a while there in the 80s, it sure was fun. So now, listening to me today, I suppose I'm all over the map, even ending, I was going to say climaxing with Danny the Wonder Pony, and that was really all wrong. So this is a family show after all, but... um, talking about furry love, talking about the karma of what we eat. So I try to bring a little good karma into everything I eat. So it's not always possible 
for you to have organic things, but you certainly could try. It's not always possible for you to have free-range meat, but you certainly can try. It's not always possible for you to have vegetarian and vegan food, but you certainly can try. And for some of you, it is always possible. I have lots of people in my life who are vegans all the time, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and never, ever have any problem with it and love their life and love the way they feel. You know, we're talking about all the people who are not. I'm just saying, give it a shot. Just have a little little bit of karma in your edibles. Look, even Bill Clinton, he had the worst diet. He was always eating fried chicken and barbecue, and he got fat and bloated. He was looking terrible. And I think he had a heart attack. He's having all kinds of issues. And even he went vegan, which is sort of astounding. So if Bill Clinton, Mr. Barbecue Fried Chicken Man, could go vegan, anyone can go vegan. And he certainly did get very slender after he did it. So there you have it. Now, I am perhaps not a good role model because I remember some years ago, my girlfriend and I went vegetarian. And we loved that we were vegetarian. But we did it very badly. And a lot of the vegetarians I know make this same mistake. But our entire diet was carbohydrates. So we would have sandwiches and pasta and pizza. Well, so we're having pizza, we're having pasta, we're having sandwiches, we're having rolls and biscuits and cookies. And that's how we went vegetarian. So I immediately gained seven pounds. We were vegetarians for seven months. And I gained seven pounds, so it's the magic of the seven. And I, think, I don't think that's the way you're going to do it. I think if you're a vegetarian, you need to eat something besides carbs. You need to get protein. You can't fill up the void with pizza and bread and pasta. You need beans and nuts and, you know, you need to do it right. But I give us an A for effort. We gave it a shot. So... If you're listening to me right now, you're already convinced that I'm a little bit on the loopy side because I'm bouncing all over the place. But I have to say there's a lady, I'm looking at a lady while I'm talking to you because the plane is gone now and she's on the loopy side. She's walking by and she's talking to herself and she doesn't have those things in her ears. So that means she really is talking to herself. So while we were taking care of Fifi La Pew, our furry love baby, we visited the very large swimming pool of Vivi's complex where she lives. And of course, I mean, any chance to be in a swimming pool in February, I mean, forget about it. Now it's March, but at this point it was February. And so there were a lot of older Jewish people. And I can always tell my people, they say two or three words, and I can always tell my people, but I'm floating around the pool I float by this one lady and she's complaining and I float by another lady and she's complaining. I float by a third lady and she's like, oh, none of my friends want me to come over. They want to kick me out after three days. And I'm like, who goes over to a friend's house and stays for three days? I would kick her out after three seconds. So after about the fifth or sixth person I floated by who was complaining, I said, this is not a swimming pool. This is Kvetcher Lake. Kvetcher. You know what a kvetch is? Complaining, whining, Kvetcher Lake. So there I was floating around in Kvetcher Lake. And it was like I heard this sort of ban- ban- you know, banjo music. My children don't call. No one wants me over for more than three days. I have nowhere to go for Passover. 
do, 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 do. The swimming pool's too cold. I'm telling you, these are my people. Catch your lake. So, in closing, try to eat things with good karma. If you can, give it a shot, free-range, organic, whatever you can do. At least make an effort. If you're going to have a McDonald's burger every day of your life, what can I say? But you can try to make some sort of an effort to eat a little good karma. And if you have furry love in your life, mazel tov. And if you don't, maybe go out and get some. Visit some friends with animals. Spend time at a shelter. Volunteer. You know, bring a little furry love into your life if you can. And, you know, life is short. Share your love. Now, if you hate all animals and you're deathly allergic to them, okay, well, send a little bit of money to a few charities that do care about animals. And, you know, maybe just try, try, try to eat things with a little better karma if you can. What can I say? And if you're floating around in a swimming pool and all you're doing is complaining the whole time you're in the swimming pool, maybe take a good look at yourself because floating around in a swimming pool is a nice thing, especially if it's February or March. And maybe you could shut up and stop complaining so much for crying out loud. But I digress. This is Rossi for Raging and Eating. And as always, food is love and so are you. Now stop kvetching so much. <laughs>